Um, and I'm not exaggerating. My wife and kids can tell you that this actually happened in the manner in which I'm going to share it with you. Um, we had to go to the courthouse um, for dad's estate and to take care of all the legal um, issues that go along with uh, when a loved one passes. <clears throat> they had a paper that they had asked me to fill out. Hannah smiling and Laura smiling. They had a paper for me to fill out. Um, that paper is not in English. I mean, it is in English, but it's not in everyday English. Okay? And so I really didn't know some of the answers or how to respond on some of these things. And so I went to, Laura and the girls were with me, I went to the courthouse, had this meeting with this particular individual, and, um, <clears throat> and I told Laura, I need to make sure I'm on her good side because I don't quite understand how to fill out this legal part of this paper. So we walk into this lady's office. They call me back. That we walk into the office, and she has flowers. So I thought, okay, here's my chance to let her know, hey, let's be friends, <laughs> okay? So she had flowers. I said, those are beautiful flowers. And she went, sit down, okay? <laughs> Laura loved it. <laughs> Hannah loved it. Needless to say, the rest of that meeting, I was sat like this, <laughs> scared. Laura spoke to the lady. At one point, she and I kind of went back and forth because she said, the, the form, there were two different forms. And she said, they're the same form. I said, no, ma'am, they're not. Okay? And she said, yes, they are. I said, no, ma'am, this one has 13 questions and this one has 14. <laughs> And then she responded, just do what your wife said. <laughs> I mean, once again, Laura was over there just worshiping. Thank you, Lord, for this moment. But, I mean, she, the lady scared me, and, and Laura can tell you this. I mean, it's a joke around the house. We'll be watching TV, and Hannah and Natalie will all of a sudden out of nowhere say, sit down, you know. Um, but I get completely quiet in moments like that, um, very passive. Not because, um, well, because I was afraid of her, to be honest. I mean, I just got extremely afraid of this lady. I closed my eyes at night, and that's who I see is her. Uh, it, was, it was brutal. Um, and so anyways, when I talk about today about the passive Christ, one thing I want you to get from this is, is that Christ was not passive because he was afraid. Okay? Christ was passive because he knew the Father was in control and he didn't have to fight the battle. Okay? And I hope you get that today. I hope you get that as a Christian, we don't have to fight our battles because Christ himself fights our battles. And therefore, fear does not have to be a part of our life. Submission and trust has to be a part of our life. Because we ultimately know that God the Father is in control. And so you're going to see this um, in this passage of Scripture where, I mean, from all human perspectives, um, this would have been a very scary moment in any of our lives 
what Jesus is getting, what Jesus is going through. I mean, we're talking about the passion of Christ here over these past couple weeks. And here he is, what I'm going to share with you today is where he's standing before Pilate. And he doesn't defend himself, which is just strange. Um, and you'll see a little bit later uh, why that's strange. But he doesn't defend himself. He remains quiet through this whole process. And it says, literally, it says that Pilate was amazed. And when we read this passage of Scripture, it should amaze us too, because you would think that he, that Christ would want to defend himself, but he remains silent because he knows that the Father is in control. So look with me in Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. And for those of you that want to look the Scriptures up on the screen for us. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus. They led him away and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. And the chief priest accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply. And Pilate was amazed. Let's pray. Father, during this time, as we look into the Word of God, Your Word, Father, please speak to us. May I just be a channel through which your words are spoken. Lord, open our ears so that we can hear and change our lives so that we can practice what we are being taught today. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So here is Jesus. He's been arrested. Last week we talked about where he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And now... He has been taken to the Sanhedrin, and he is on trial, okay? He is on trial, and the first group, the Sanhedrin that he goes to, if you read in Mark chapter 14 towards the end, you'll notice that even when he was on trial with them, he was quiet. He, he remained silent. They would ask him questions, and he remained silent. And so then they came up with all these accusations. They even changed the accusations so that he would end up being taken to, um, taken to Pilate. So at first they wanted to talk to him about blasphemy. They wanted to accuse Jesus of blasphemy. But they knew that if they wanted to take him to Pilate, that the Roman government would not do anything with someone who's blasphemous and claiming to be God. So they ended up saying, no, he's, trying to, he's causing a government uproar. He's rebelling. He's trying to start his own movement. And they knew that if they could get that going, that Pilate would pay attention to that and arrest him. And so they even changed their whole argument of how they were going to accuse Jesus. And he continued to remain silent in this whole, this whole art ordeal. Now what's amazing is, is that you would assume that Jesus would defend himself. After all, he is being falsely accused. And any of you who are being falsely accused, 
you know that you're going to defend yourself. But Jesus remains silent. And when we look at this, and we look at it from our perspective, our cultural perspective, you're going to notice that silence in our culture appears parallel or equal with um, weakness. I mean, think about it. Okay, I want to give you just a couple of examples. When we do not fight back and resist, we often appear to be weak to many people. So in our culture, whenever a person is quiet, you may say, oh, they're shy. Have you heard that before? Oh, they're shy. Or the person who remains silent during an argument may lead other people to think that they're scared. Okay? And you saw this when you were growing up, and um, you thought to yourself, oh, that, you see two individuals getting ready to fight, and, and the one who stays silent looks like, hey, I don't want to fight. And people immediately said, oh, they're scared, they're scared. If you get in an argument with your spouse, you often think that you have won the argument if the other person cannot respond to what you're arguing about, right? And if you have a debate, the person who is silent during the debate loses the debate. So in our culture, silence is seen as something that's very weak. If you do not respond to a teacher's question and you remain silent during class, what does the teacher think? That you don't know the answer. That you are unintelligent in that area in which the teacher is asking the question. Other people who are quiet on some issues don't only come across as weak, but they come across as if they just don't care. So sometimes people in the church uh, will ask, why isn't the church speaking up louder about abortion? Okay? And so when the church is silent on issues like that, it leads many people to think, you know what, the church just doesn't care. Um, other issues, uh, social justice issues, when we remain silent, we're really saying something to the culture whether we realize it or not. Okay? So it often occurs to some people that the church is just apathetic about some of these things. And perhaps... This is why you see so many commercials now that are talking about the importance of speaking up. You need to speak up. You need to let people know how you feel about things. And you need to defend your views, wherever your views are and your values are. You need to speak up, is what we often hear in culture. But when you match up what the culture is teaching us compared to what Scripture is teaching us, you get, you get a little bit of a contradiction, to be honest. So let me share with you just a couple of passages of Scripture. These will be up on the screen for you to write down, but the first one's Proverbs chapter 17, verses 27 through 28. Now just listen to this passage. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought to be wise if they keep silent 
and discerning if they hold their tongues. Isn't that interesting? It's almost promoting silence. <laughs> In fact, you know what? It, it is promoting silence. The second verse, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 7. There is a time to tear down and a time to mend. There is a time to be silent and there is a time to speak. So here again, um, we are taught that sometimes we need to just be silent. We're reminded of Jesus and, and, and it tells us this in, in, uh, in Psalms and Proverbs, I believe it's in Proverbs, just to be still and to know that he is God. And then you've got James chapter 1, verse 19. I think I shared this passage with you a couple months ago, but it says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. You know, I mean, if, if James, the brother of Jesus, is saying take note of this, this is one of those verses you want to highlight. It's important. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Okay? Now, don't get me wrong. There's other passages of Scripture that speak about the importance of defending what you believe. So, for example, um, we're told in Scripture to be ready in season and out of season to give a defense for what we believe. Okay? But I don't want you to miss the importance, especially in light of Jesus' silence when he was taken to trial, that Jesus was not scared of what was taking place. His passiveness, okay, his passivity was a result of the strength that he had in God. Do you hear me in that? His passivity was a result of the strength and the trust and the faith that he had in God the Father. So while silence and passivity may appear as weakness in our culture, the scriptures paint a different picture that silence is an unordinary, an unordinary strength that many of us just do not have. And we need to pray and say, God, Help me in this area. Because let's be honest, okay? We may not be in a trial such as Jesus was, where he standed before the Sanhedrin, then he standed before Pilate. But I assure you of this, all of us at some point are in some sort of a trial, and what we say is going to determine what people think about us and about our faith. And many times when we're going through a trial, the best thing that we can do is literally be still and just know that he is God and realize that, you know, we don't have to defend God and we don't have to defend ourselves. If we are at peace and we know that we are in the will of God, we don't have to defend that. We can just be at peace and knowing that God is in control and just letting God take control of the direction that we're going. So I want to share with you this model that Jesus portrayed for us. Because for Mark's readers, I mean, think about this. Think about the early church when they first read this gospel, the gospel of Mark. Now, keep in mind, those early readers, uh, they were undergoing persecution, okay? 
many of them were being killed for their faith in Jesus. And so for, for, Mark, for Mark, he paints this model of Jesus that really is two major points. And if I could share those with you, because I think they're important. One, it's a point for his modern-day readers, which is be ready to face your own trial for your faith. And here's what I mean by this. If the early church was going through persecution, it's extremely important for them to look at this and say, hey, wait a minute. The one in whom I put my faith in also went through persecution. And here is how he responded. And so they read this and they thought to themselves, hey, my cousin or my brother or my parents or my children or even myself, we're going through persecution. What, does, what would Jesus do in this situation? Well, it's funny you ask. I just read a letter from Mark that told me how Jesus responded when he was struggling in the midst of his trial and persecution. And suddenly people say, well, what did Jesus do? He remained silent. And they could practice this. And so it was extremely important for the early church. William Lane, many of you are familiar with him, he writes this, the account of Jesus' conduct before the Roman authority was of primary importance to Mark's readers. Many of them would have been compelled to stand before a pagan tribunal and would be subjected to the same indignities that Christ suffered. The fact that your God has gone through something that you're getting ready to face, isn't that a comfort? Yesterday I was having a conversation with my cousin. And my cousin told me, he said, you know, Matt, he said, I'm a, he said we were talking about death, and, and he said, I'm not ready to die. And I shared with him, I said, you know, but isn't it a comfort to know? I said, for me, it's a comfort to know that my mom and dad have already walked that path. And more importantly, my God has walked that path. I'm not going into unknown territory. I may be going into unknown territory on my own end, but I'm going into a very well-known territory that God has complete control over. And what a comfort it would have been for this early church who was going through these trials and persecutions to say, hey, you know what? I may be afraid with what I'm dealing with, but my God has already walked through this. And he is waiting for me on the other side. So that's one major important part of Jesus' model. A second major part of Jesus' model is, is much more for us today, Okay. Jesus teaches us in modern times how we are to respond to the trials and persecution that we are facing or that we may be called to face in the future. Listen, Scripture teaches very clearly that um, Christians are going to encounter persecution. And I wish I could stand before you and say that when you become a Christian, it's as easy as possible. But listen, it's a tough road. It is a very tough road. And in fact, it may call us, as Christians, it may call us to lay down our life just as Christ himself laid down his. 
And what a powerful example Christ has given us in the modern church. That if Christ calls us to this, he has shown us, hey, he has walked that path. And we too can walk that same path. And we don't have to stand up and defend ourselves because Christ has already conquered the death. Do you hear me in this? He has already defended it for us. So what is this calling us to then? When Christ calls us to silence, he's calling us to submission. And here's what I mean by this. If you go ahead and flip over to the next slide there, and, 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 and please get this, okay? One of the things I've learned that is when I feel like I have to defend myself, I often feel like I'm fighting the battle on my own, okay? But when I realize that God is in control of the situation and what I'm going through, I have learned that I can be silent. There's no need for me. Because when I, when I try to defend it myself, and I'm trying to defend myself and, and trying to fight this battle on my own, all my focus and energy is on how am I going to do it? 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 When all my energy should be, God, how are you going to do it? And just submit it to God. And the world may sit back and say, oh, you're weak for doing that. But let me tell you, Scripture says that that is a sign of strength. That is a sign of strength that you could say, hey, God, I have faith in you. I'm submitting it to you. Okay? I realize I can't fight this on my own, but I know that you can. And so in times of trials and persecution, please understand you do not need to defend yourself with words. Instead, what we learn from Jesus is that silence is not a sign of weakness, but it is a sign of submission, saying, Father, I'm in your hands. And if you call me to walk this road, Lord, I know that you will lead me through to the other side, whether that be here on earth or in eternity. So let me share with you just some application things, okay? Um, just four quick things of, basically I'm answering the question of why silence is important. Here's number one. Silence is important because it helps us to hear the voice of God. Okay? Um, sometimes in our household, um, Laura and I will be having a conversation, and we can't hear each other because sometimes our kids are pulling for our attention at the same time. I mean, just recently, Laura and I were having this conversation. I had to look at the girls and say, Okay, hold on one second here. I can't hear what your mom's saying. Have y'all ever done that where you're riding down the road and you're, well, you shouldn't be on your cell phone, but you are, and you can't hear the other person because people in the car are talking, you know? And you just, you just need that silence. And silence helps us to hear the voice of God. And many times what we have to do is we have to get away, like we've talked about so many times, of just getting to a quiet place so that you can hear the voice of God because there's so many things around us that are just calling and, and, and saying they, it wants your attention constantly. Secondly, silence leads to God-focused and it leads to worship. And here's what I mean with this. 
when you are when you are silent you can tune in and you can fully focus on god and in those moments you can also worship god but have you ever tried to do your devotions with the tv on or do your devotions with the radio on i mean you know how difficult it is right and suddenly you find yourself just trying to get through it and you really haven't even been able to focus on god and you really haven't been able to worship god sometimes you just need to just get away completely so that you can focus on god one of one of the the, the men that i love to read is thomas merton and Thomas Merton would go in a room by himself, close the door, and have the lights out, okay? And he would just sit there in silence listening to God. It was literally his prayer closet. And at times when he would read Scripture, he would light a candle in there just so he could read the Scripture. But he knew the importance of getting away so that he could be God-focused and so that he could just... Speak to God and worship God. Third, silence is an expression of faith and submission. And I've already talked to you a lot about that. That when we, when we submit things to Christ, we are giving it all to God. Do not feel like you have to pick it back up. Do you hear me? Let it rest. When I was a, when I was a kid... Um, I used to sing a song by Ray Bolts. Some of you, some of you remember Ray Bolts. Um, but this song was Rest in the Arms of God. And the lyrics talked about the importance of when you're going through something difficult, what you need to do is just run to the arms of God and then just rest in the arms of God and just lay there. Lay your head on His shoulder and just rest. Because, and why can we do that? Because we know that our Heavenly Father has it in control. And we can rest. That is a sign of submission to God. And you know, I think God is very pleased with that when we will just come and rest in His arms. And then the fourth I would share with you is this, that silence teaches us the importance of speaking to God before speaking to others. And we're all guilty of speaking to others before we speak to God, aren't we? But if we would learn the importance of being silent, we'd say, no, I'm not going to speak to others because I'm taking a vow of silence during this time, and I'm just going to speak to God about this and listen to what God has to say and respond the way that God wants me to respond. I'm going to ask the praise band to come up. We're going to sing a final song. But some people read that passage of Scripture of Jesus' silence as if Jesus was scared, as if Jesus was afraid, as if Jesus was weak. But I would challenge you that what this Scripture really teaches us is not that Jesus was afraid, but that He had, but that he had faith. A lot of people don't realize this unless you study the Roman government, but when a person was silent when they were being accused of something, they had three different times after they had been, um, after they had been accused of being guilty, they had three different times to recant and to be able to defend themselves. 
And we would assume that that happened with Jesus. And if he was afraid, out of those three times, he would have recanted. He did, he was not afraid. He had simply submitted to Christ. I mean, he had submitted to the Father. And that's the model he has submitted to us. Is that no matter what we're going through, we can just trust in the Father and he will lead us through it. Let's pray. Father, you know the things that the people here in the church are facing and going through much better than I do. And Lord, I know the temptation it is to to worry and to try to defend what we're going through. And many times, Lord, we feel like we have to defend you. But Lord, remind us that you call us to submission. That we don't have to defend, we simply have to submit. And so, Lord, if we're going through difficult times and we're questioning what we're going through, perhaps, Lord, some are going through trials here, just remind them of the hope that we have in the Father. Lord, we know that Christ knew that he was getting ready to experience the cross. But he also knew, Lord, that you were going to lead him through that and help him to conquer death. Remind us of that today, Lord. That we are not weak, but we are strong because our Heavenly Father is strong. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.